This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. With the legislature in session, there's a lot of discussion about the rights of women. The House Resolution uh, 27, I believe, which would allow voters uh, to vote on, on reproductive health care, reproductive rights. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. A freight train derailed in an unincorporated community of Morgan County Monday afternoon. CSX Transportation, a freight train operator servicing the East Coast, reported that 10 train cars experienced derailment outside the community of Magnolia on Monday. Among the cars involved in the derailment, one contained dry cement, one contained calcium chloride, and four contained sodium hydroxide. No injuries were reported and none of the cars containing hazardous materials experienced spillage. The derailment halted an Amtrak train headed from Washington, D.C. to Martinsburg. Amtrak officials confirmed the rail line was closed due to the incident. The derailment impacted two rail lines. CSX officials said service on one of these lines would resume by Tuesday and repairs on the other would continue until Wednesday afternoon. Emergency personnel at the scene included local and county-level response teams from both West Virginia and Maryland. The cause of the incident remains under investigation. Advocates report the monthly benefit rate for minors with black lung has not kept up with inflation. Emily Rice has more. The Federal Black Lung Benefits Program was created in 1969 to pay for health care and provide monthly compensation to minors who could no longer work due to the disease. Advocates like Quentin King, the federal legislative specialist at Appalachian Voices, say that the stipend has not kept up with rising prices. Aside from trying to prevent black lung, this is the main concern that coal miners um, what Black Lung have is getting a simple stipend increase. According to Appalachia Voices, in 1969, a minor received $144.50 each month. Today, minors receive less than 30% of the value of the original amount at $773 a month. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. The Allegheny Front, based in Pittsburgh, is a public radio program that reports on environmental issues in the region. Here's their latest story about the long-term effects of PFAS contamination. Every adult in America has measurable amounts of synthetic chemicals called PFAS in their blood, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This is the Allegheny Front Environment Update. I'm Carol Holsoppel. It's not surprising. A new report shows that nearly half of U.S. water systems contain PFAS. These forever chemicals have been used for decades in everything from nonstick cookware to firefighting foams. Reporter Jeff St. Clair asked leading experts how worried we should be. Toxicologist Linda Birnbaum, a former director at the National Institutes of Health, is one of the top experts on PFAS. What worries her most is how ubiquitous they are. Every single one of us has these chemicals 
in our body. Some people have more than others, and we don't always know exactly why, but we all have it. And I think that's very concerning. Not only are they in every one of us, she says they're everywhere within us. I don't know of a tissue or an organ system that hasn't been shown to be impacted by PFAS. Much of what we know about the health effects of PFAS come from a massive study done a decade ago along the Ohio-West Virginia border as part of a class action settlement with DuPont. It provides some of the strongest evidence of the risks posed by these chemicals. Nearly 70,000 people who drank contaminated water near a chemical plant in Parkersburg, West Virginia, were screened for increased rates of illness. The study found a probable link between PFAS and six conditions, thyroid disease, high cholesterol, ulcerative colitis, preeclampsia, kidney cancer, and testicular cancer. Philippe Grandjean, a professor of environmental medicine at the University of Southern Denmark, showed further risks. He says children exposed to PFAS have reduced immune function. The PFASs by themselves are causing this weakening of the immune system. His take on my question focuses on our most vulnerable population. How worried should we be? We should be worried if we care about our kids. Carla Ng, who studies PFAS at the University of Pittsburgh, echoes his concern for young people. It's stuff that's been in us since before we were born and that we know are linked to some pretty important health effects. And we do see at the population level worrying changes in human health. We see declines in fertility. We see greater incidence of chronic disease at younger ages. And here's where the chemistry comes in. PFAS don't exist in nature, but they mimic chemicals the body needs, like nutritious fatty acids and the lipids that make up our cell walls. Ng says that's where the trouble starts. Part of the problem with PFAS is that they look like a fatty acid, and so they are able to have these interactions with fatty acid receptors, but they can't be processed, right? So they go in there, and then your body goes, oh, hey, we got more fatty acids. Let's go and process them, and then it can't. The National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, in their report issued in 2022, found an association between PFAS and decreased immune function, abnormally high cholesterol, low birth weight, and increased risk of kidney cancer. I asked Dr. Alex Kemper at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, who contributed to the report, how worried should we be? I don't know what the right answer is, and I don't think anyone really knows what the right answer is. He says it's ultimately up to each of us to answer that question and then pressure the medical community to catch up. I'm Jeff St. Clair. That story came to us from our partners at IdeaStream Public Media. Learn how Pennsylvania is regulating PFAS in drinking water at AlleghenyFront.org. That's the Allegheny Front Environment Update. I'm Carol Holsapple. The Allegheny Front is based in Pittsburgh and reports on regional environmental news. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 751. Becoming mostly sunny today, highs in the 30s and 40s, partly cloudy tonight, lows in the 20s and 30s. Tomorrow, breezy with partly sunny skies, highs in the 40s and 50s. Support for WVPB is provided by Charleston's Women of Achievement Awards Luncheon, Friday, March 8th at Embassy Suites Hotel. Tickets at ywcacharleston.com. 
Women's Bill of Rights, House Bill 5243, would put certain definitions of man and woman into code and determine who can use single-sex spaces. Brianna Heaney sat down with Delegate Mike Pushkin, a Democrat from Kanawha County, and Molly Kennedy, a Community Outreach Director at the American Civil Liberties Union, to discuss the bill. We tried several times to get one of the Republican sponsors of the bill to come on the show and discuss it, but they all declined. First question that I have for both of you, I'll give both of you guys a chance to answer this. What are some actions the legislature should do to protect and empower women in the state? Well, first of all, this bill is uh, has an incorrect name. If you were talking about the, if we're talking about the bill that we uh, haven't quite gotten to that yet, we mm-hmm. will get to that. But let's just first talk generally about women in the state okay. I think and we what we can do with the uh, uh, House Resolution uh, 27, I believe, which would allow voters uh, to vote on, on reproductive health care, reproductive rights, and uh, let voters have a say-so in, in this ban that has been imposed on the state on, on reproductive health care. I think we should uh, pass the Fair Pay Act, the Katherine Johnson Fair Pay Act. I think the women in the workplace deserve to get paid the same as their male counterparts. We need to address child care issues in this state. Uh, I don't want to take up all the time. I'm very interested to hear. Yeah, yeah. I I think women in the state have been asking for a whole host of things. Uh, We've let fair pay just sit on the desk and not move. Um, We could address affordable child care. We could address parental leave. There are all sorts of ways that we could help families in West Virginia thrive. Um, But again and again, the legislature shows that they're not interested in that. They're interested in bills like the Women's Bill of Rights. Talk to me about fair pay. I've heard some opponents of some of the bills that have been introduced say women are already paid fairly in the state. I think part of the problem here is that we're not even really spending time talking about the the nuance of fair pay. We're ignoring that to focus on bills that punch down on transgender people. Um, take away bodily autonomy from people. We're not even having those conversations. Um, So I would much rather hear them discuss the nuance of how we make fair pay equitable and make it fit for all West Virginians. Um, But again, I don't don't see that as the priority here. We're focused on these culture war issues. And the facts are women are not paid equally. Uh, I mean, the data shows that women make uh, you know, on average, 75 cents, 80 cents on the dollar compared uh, to men doing the same work. So it is something we should address. It's a bill that Democrats have, have introduced year after year, uh, the Katherine Johnson Fair Pay Act, and, and uh, Republican supermajority refuses to run it. Now, they have a bill that is currently pulled off the calendar that they erroneously call the Women's Bill of Rights. Uh, the Democratic House Caucus, which I'm a member of, we tried to amend in an actual Women's Bill of Rights into that bill, uh, which would have included, uh, you know, uh, addressing the child care crisis in the state. There's a lot of uh, young parents, not just women, young parents who have a hard time uh, being able to enter into the workforce because the uh, child care is not just uh, it, it's it's not just that it's unaffordable; it's inaccessible in some areas. There is not a you know we have a child care crisis there. Um, also in that bill, we, we had uh, reproductive rights in general. Actually, all health care rights were in that bill. Um, uh, 
There were, uh, they, we actually made an actual real women's bill of rights. Unfortunately, the only part of our bill that got into the bill was removing an archaic uh, uh, part of code that actually exempted uh, people in a marriage from being charged with, uh, with sexual assault. Now, because we got that amendment in there, now the bill has been parked. Strangely enough, there are members of the Republican caucus that, that have a hard time voting for it because it exempts, uh, because of that exemption that should have been removed from code a long time ago. So the House bill that you guys are referring to, House Bill 5243, um, a bill that replaces the word gender in state code with the word sex, um, the bill also defines two sexes, male and female, and it prohibits um, trans people from being in certain places like bathrooms and locker rooms that are consistent with their gender identity. Um, let's talk about who this bill will impact. Um, I think, first of all, it's really important to note that when we start to micromanage what gender is and what we expect people to look like based on um, our assumptions about gender, it hurts everybody. So uh, there was a good example of this in Oklahoma, I believe a member of a school board called out a high school basketball player um, and uh, made a big to-do about them being a transgender player on the girls' team. And this girl's face was plastered everywhere, became the target of harassment. She wasn't transgender. She was a cisgender kid playing basketball. And she became a community target of harassment because a school board member decided that when she looked at her, her body build was bigger than she would have expected for a cisgender girl playing basketball. That was Molly Kennedy and Delegate Mike Pushkin speaking with Brianna Heaney for the legislature today. Reports are the Women's Bill of Rights bill will be on third reading in the House of Delegates today. To hear more of that conversation, visit our website and tune into the legislature today at 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Jack Walker, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.